Hi there, it's Matt here, and welcome back to the podcast once again, and to the second in this multi-part series talking all about the science of REM sleep dreaming. In the first episode in this series, we learned about how your brain is able to dream in the way that it is. In other words, what is the neurological signature that allows us to understand how we dream? Today, we're going to explore what the science has to say, not only about how we dream at the brain level, but what it is that we dream about. In other words, what have we learned about the origin of our dreams? And we'll even discuss whether or not brain scanners can eavesdrop on the sleeping brain and give us a readout of what people are actually dreaming about which is in some ways a bit of a scary thought, wouldn't you say? But let's start with one of the oldest questions in all of sleep research. Where do dreams come from? Well, the ancient Egyptians, they believed that dreams were sent down from the gods on high. The Greeks actually shared a very similar contention, believing that dreams were the visitation from the gods, offering some kind of divine information. Aristotle, by the way, he was a notable exception in this regard. He cleaved to the idea that dreams have their origins not up in the heavens, but in the reality of our recent waking experience. Yet it was really Sigmund Freud who, in the 19th and 20th centuries, situated dreams without a shadow of doubt within the brain itself. In other words, within the individuals themselves and not from elsewhere, not from other beings. And he did this in his seminal book called The Interpretation of Dreams, published in 1899. So it was Freud who, in some ways, made dreams a clear domain of brain science, or what would become neuroscience. And we must thank Freud for that remarkable shift in our thinking. However, Freud was, in some way, 50% right and 100% wrong. And thereafter, his theory plunged into a mass of scientific unprovability. Now, I'm going to simplify this, and I apologize to people who will probably get a wee bit upset by that, but Freud believed that dreams came from unconscious wishes that had not been fulfilled. And he suggested that, as we dream, these repressed wishes passed through a sensor or a filter in our mind. And then they came out the other side of that filter as disguised and unrecognizable experiences to the dreamer, so much so that the dreamer could no longer understand the original meaning of those dreams. Freud believed that he understood how the sensor worked, and as a result, that he could decrypt the disguised dreams. Meaning Freud felt that he could, in some ways, reverse engineer the dreams of people from the disguised, unrecognizable state back to their true meaning state. And by revealing that true meaning, it would tell us something profound about the individual. The problem, however, 
is that his theory lacked any clear predictions. And that's what we do in modern day science. We create hypotheses or theories that have very clear predictions that we can then design experiments to test. And we can see by testing those predictions if they are correct or if they are false. And if they're false, then we'll reject them. But in terms of Freud's theory, we couldn't easily design experiments to test his beliefs. And this was Freud's genius and his simultaneous downfall. Because in this way, science could never prove him wrong. Which is why Freud continues to cast a long shadow on dream research to this modern day. But by the same token, science could never prove his theories right or true. And hence, we no longer consider it as a valid, scientifically rigorous theory. Fortunately, however, modern-day scientific methods have now made true inroads into the question of where dreams come from, and it's led to new theories of why we dream. One such scientific theory postulated that dreams are a replay of our waking life experience, of our past memories, which, ironically, is not too different to the idea of what Freud called day residue. So, do our dreams really reflect the replay of our recent waking lives? Are dreams, in some ways, the reverberating echo of our prior day's experience? Well, my longtime friend and scientific colleague, Dr. Robert Stickgold, has elegantly proven this to be entirely untrue, but with a caveat, with a twist. Studying hundreds of dream reports and also logging the waking daytime activity and experiences of individuals, he found that somewhere between just 1% to 2% of our dreams are really true, clear replays or reruns of our prior waking life events. In other words, there's a tiny fraction of evidence of this thing called day residue that really enters our dreams at night. So we don't just simply rewind the video of the day's recorded experience and then relive it all over again at night, projected on this big, beautiful screen that we call the cortex. And now comes that caveat, that twist in the story. Because what we have discovered is that the one thing that does seem to re-emerge in our dreaming life are the emotional themes and the emotional concerns and the most relevant people related to those emotional themes and concerns that we were experiencing during the day. Those are the things that powerfully and unambiguously, without any disguise and without any censor, that resurface in our dreams at night. The folks supporting today's episode are Athletic Greens. Now, I know this is an ad, but before you hit the fast forward button, can I at least tell you why I selected them as a sponsor? Athletic Greens is a nutrition drink, and it provides a really quite exhaustive array of different vitamins and minerals, biotics, antioxidants. It's a long list, but you get the picture. Now, I do want to be clear that I try to get all of my nutritional needs from real meals. 
But I also know, however, that hard as I try, I am not going to hit all of my targets on any given day. So there are really two main reasons why I've been using Athletic Greens for a couple of years. And I buy it myself, by the way, I don't get it for free and I've been using it uh, long before this show. The first is this, when it comes to my health, I like insurance policies and I'd prefer to have a full coverage plan. And that's one reason I like Athletic Greens. Second, I did my diligence on the science behind the ingredients and I'm a big fan of empirical data as ground truth. So if any of this sounds interesting to you, head on over to athleticgreens.com forward slash Matt Walker and you will get some money off your first order. Also, they have kindly offered a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. So as I said, head on over to athleticgreens.com forward slash Matt Walker. And now let's get back to the podcast. So if there is a red thread narrative that runs from our waking lives into our dreaming lives, then it is the emotional concerns that we're having during the day and also the social individuals connected to those things. Those are the things that, in part, explain the content of our dreams, what it is that we're going to dream. And that's important because we will come back to this in our subsequent episodes where I'll tell you about why it is that you dream. And these findings would suggest that perhaps dreaming has something to do with the processing of our emotional lives. But the important point to realize here is that there is no sensor in terms of our dreams. There's no filter, there's no veil, there's no disguising counter to Freud's assertions. But can science go a step further? Rather than looking into the rearview mirror to see where dreams have come from, can we instead now look into the present, into the now, and predict what it is that someone is dreaming about while they are dreaming? Can we actually read the minds of people as they are dreaming and know what they're dreaming about? For example, are they dreaming about a car or a woman or food or a book? And without them telling us what they have been dreaming about, can we as scientists using just our technology know exactly what they were dreaming about? It sounds like the stuff of science fiction, but recently it has started to become science fact. Several years ago, a research team in Japan led by Dr. Kamatani in Kyoto found an ingenious way to address this question in a handful of participants. And what they essentially did was crack the code of an individual's dream for the very first time in history. And in doing so, led us to a place that some people may find ethically uncomfortable. Now, individuals in the experiment, they consented to the study. And that's an important fact, as we shall see. The scientists placed each one of the participants into an MRI scanner numerous times over the course of several days. And every time those participants fell asleep, they would start recording the patterns of that dreaming brain activity. And then they would wake the person up and they would obtain a dream report from that person. And they would do that time and time and time again. For example, one of the dream reports was 
that I saw a big bronze statue on a small hill, and below the hill there were houses, streets, and trees. So Kamatani and his team then distilled all of these dream reports down into essentially 20 core categories that were most frequent in the dreams of these individuals. For example, things such as books and cars, furniture, houses, computers, men, women, food, etc. To obtain some kind of ground truth, however, of what participants' brain activity patterns looked like when they were actually perceiving and thinking about these visual objects, the researchers selected real photographs of each of these categories, so real pictures of cars, of men, women, and furniture, and then they put the participants back inside the MRI scanner for a final time, and they scanned their brains as they were awake and they were processing each one of these categories. And then they used these signature patterns of waking brain activity as, in some ways, a truth template of sorts. Kamatani went pattern searching in the sea of the sleeping and dreaming brain at night. The concept is somewhat similar to DNA matching at a crime scene. The forensic teams, they will obtain a sample of the individual's true DNA that they then use as a template. And using that template, they then go in search of specific matches in the myriad of possible samples that they've taken. And of course, the samples that we're talking about here are the samples of when people were dreaming. And remarkably, the scientists were able to predict the content of the participants of the dreams using these waking templates at any one moment in time. So in other words, completely blind to whatever the person ultimately then woke up and said they were dreaming about, the scientists using just the brain scans could actually already tell what it is that they were dreaming about. Were they dreaming of a man or a woman or a dog? or instead a bed, or flowers, or a knife, they were, in effect, mind-reading, or I should really say dream-reading. Now, I should make clear that we cannot currently determine exactly what man, or what woman, or what car it is that you're dreaming about. We can only predict the general category rather than the specific items or the specific people that you're dreaming about. And I think this is truly amazing, but perhaps it comes with a vague, uneasy feeling. Because in the past, we owned our dreams. And then we got to decide whether or not to share them with others. And if we did, which parts we would include and which parts we would withhold. But science is getting ever closer to having the ability to take ownership of a process that in fact few people really have volitional control over, which is this thing called the dream. And when this finally happens in science, which I'm sure it will do, do we hold you, the dreamer, responsible for what you're dreaming about? Is it fair to judge what you are dreaming since you were not the conscious architect of the dream? But if you didn't construct the dream, then who did? Who else? is responsible for that dream. It is a perplexing issue to face, and with that wonderfully uneasy question, I will simply say 
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and subscribing to the podcast in general, by the way. Both of these things really help me. Oh my goodness, I'm now looking at the time. This one is even longer than the other one. I am so sorry about that. I will leave you be and I will see you in the next episode in this series on dreaming. And there we will discuss perhaps the most important of all such questions. Not just how we dream or even what we dream about, but why it is that we even dream. What is the function, if any, of these things called dreams? Take care and I will see you in the next episode.